My Mum Made Me, the show about the wonderful and sometimes the weird ways in which our mums make us who we are today. Hi, it's Paul here. I really hope you're enjoying the show and I'm going to ask you a favour if you are. Please do follow us. If you do, you'll get to hear all of the episodes first and of course it helps with my self-esteem. I'm only joking. Don't forget to rate us. We're currently on 4.9 stars, which is really exciting and every rating makes my mum, Teresa, laugh just a little bit more. And and then she she had this great dream that she was going to go to Bradford University and study peace studies. Oh, fantastic. They're, they're the best place in the world. For there you go. Studies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So quite precision. And she got on to um, a peace studies course. Now, here's the thing. So it, it's, it's hugely prestigious and it's sort of so interesting. It's so interesting to sort of, um, I guess, know a person who in the latter part of their life, not later life, says, no, do you know what? I'm going to do this and takes control um, of, you know, their, their own destiny. Yeah. But as a kid... What it meant was, because we grew up on welfare, right? What it meant was all the things that we got from the government, um, uh, my mom who was out of work, a lot of those went away and so she was only surviving on a student grant. Yeah, that was like my mom too. Exactly. Exactly the same. So I, uh, unfortunately, I don't know, I know, I love my mom for doing this, I resented it at the time because oh. it was harder. But did you, I mean, I'm kind of... I mean, I, actually she inspired me. My mom doing ah. this inspired me. Okay. Um, so in the... Um, in in that time when she was doing this study, I actually feel I got something of what other children in my school had got from their own parents from her, um, but actually live while she was doing it. So you mm. know there were there was suddenly um, the Penguin Classic of John Stuart Mill in the house and oh. and the Communist Manifesto because she was doing politics and politics, the Communist Manifesto. Yeah, politics wow. and sociology was what she yeah. did at Warwick. Well, that's what her eventual degree was. I don't know quite how it divided, you know, but that's what what she came out with. So that was sort of books that were suddenly in the house. I thought, oh, this is great. And so actually, um, I was quite inspired by what she did. They did inspire me, and I think that it was part of you know encouraging me to think about university myself amazing god there's there's a real sense of inspiration there i want to come back to um a couple of questions around you know how your mum's informed what you're doing Mm. now and you before i do um and before i forget actually the reason i wanted to put my mum's question to you at the beginning of the podcast the beginning of this episode was because i think it's quite an interesting question but also I have a little bit of a dilemma. So my mum is turning 70 this year, which is a grand birthday. Um, and at Christmas, so she came down with uh, with my dad. They're separated. But anyway, to spend Christmas with us. Um, I asked her what she wanted to celebrate. And she said, well, I want to go to Paris. I was like, okay, we can sort that out. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like Paris. She's never been to Paris. Okay, It'd be fantastic. a great, lovely thing to do. And I want to go on... The Rainbow Warrior, which is Greenpeace's sort of battleship. I remember it. Yeah, everyone remembers. And it's it sort Warrior. of well, I, I, if if the Rainbow Warrior isn't around, its successor is because I think it's sort of. Oh, I think they have several now, and I said, well, that might be a little difficult. Um, she's always admired kind of Greenpeace. She's always admired this sort of um, very physical sense of activism right, as well. Right. So you know, which I remember sort of her watching the news when um, I, I guess at the time the Rainbow Warrior was like ramming being rammed by Japanese whaling boats. And she was like, come on, come on, shouting. So obviously, you know, that might be more difficult, but that's not the dilemma. The dilemma is this. And I want to learn Ukrainian. And I said, oh, that's quite, okay, great. I mean, I I think it's probably quite a difficult language to learn if if you're not kind of, you know, in that sort of, uh, you know, if you're not from there. Um, Why are you interested in learning Ukrainian? And she said, well, I want to go to the Ukraine and be a human shield. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't I, think human shields work in Ukraine is the no, first thing you might I, want to tell I, her. I, I, and I think, I think a part of her knows that. Mm. But what's interesting, and I haven't sort of spoken with her about it, I wonder if there's a sense of her wanting to leave a greater legacy, albeit in a very, right. I would say, responsible way. My question to you is, how on earth do I persuade my mum? I don't think she's going to do it, cause, no. but like, how do I sort of get this idea out of her head? So she really is a peacenik. I mean, she really is. Yeah, oh, right. So that was why yeah. Badford was so good for her. Yeah. Um, I think you should try and encourage her onto the Rainbow Warrior instead. Okay. Yeah. I think that uh, that's if she wants direct <laughs> action. <clears throat> if she wants direct action in her life, I think encouraging her onto the Rainbow Warrior. Although that's not risk free, of no. course. No. But you're not uh, going to get Mr. Putin sort of shooting long range. No, that's true. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the idea that a human shield would be a successful... I mean, <laughs> this is sort of... This is one of the... It'd be interesting to talk to her, actually, about this because I've always wondered, you know, what peace activists feel about that. You know, they... So she goes there, she's a human shield, she dies on the first day. That's yeah, what would happen. Um, I, I remember uh, a humanist... World Humanist Congress in Oslo in 2011 on the theme of peace, and that's why it was held in Oslo. It was a very moving uh, congress, actually, because it was held a few days, as it turned out, coincidentally, after the shootings by Anders Breivik. Oh, God, yeah. um, and many of the young people who were meant to be there from young humanists um, were dead. Oh, God. Um, because there was a because there's a big crossover between the young 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 leftists and young humanists yeah, yeah. In, 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 in Norway and the humanists, a very large organisation, so a lot of young people were involved. Um, anyway, it was uh, so it was on the theme of peace, and we had the the father of peace studies, um, who's a very old and venerable person, and I can't quite remember his name. It might be Johan Galton, I think it's Johan Galton, um, and he was talking about his approach to peace, and he said, you know, people asked him a question, uh, lots of questions about what he would actually do if he was standing there in front of someone. Would you know? Would he not act at all? Would he be completely passive? Mm. And he said, yes, you know, I would stand there and I'd be shot if I was a human. And no one really could believe it and understand it. And I, I couldn't quite understand it either. No, it's weird, isn't it? I couldn't understand what the point of it would be, what yeah. the purpose of it would be, what the out, what the positive outcome would be. And, yeah. and people say, well, it's like Gandhi, you know, but well, yeah, Gandhi was Gandhi. I mean, you know... Yeah. That's, <laughs> no one's he, thinking Gandhi. Right, no. exactly, exactly. Um, so the idea of a human shield is really interesting. I, Rainbow Warrior. Mm. Encourage her onto the Rainbow Warrior. I think that's best. But learning Ukrainian is surely a, a, a nice. Uh, it would be ambition. great, and she could also sort of turn it to, I guess, more administrative productive things like uh, I don't know, helping recent Ukrainian arrivals yes. into. Or she could UK. go to Poland or to yes. some other border countries and work with. I think we've got a plan. Um, yeah, work with women in Poland um, who have come from Ukraine. That's that's it. Learn Ukrainian for that purpose, and then she'll be able to practice her Ukrainian. Um, there's lots of women who need abortions, you know, who can't get them in Poland as well. Oh, because really? Of, yeah, they come from Ukraine um, into jurisdictions where gaining access to abortion is difficult. Maybe they've been raped in the course of war, you know, so oh, there's yeah. all sorts of things like that. Um, she could find lots of um, humanitarian work to do, I think, rather than I be think, a human shield. I think in the space of 30-odd um, seconds, Andrew, you've given my mum her life's mission in the last X number of years Excellent. she's got. Yeah, well, so, I hope it doesn't well done, and thank long, you for but... that gift. Mm. Um, <laughs> but back, coming back to uh, your mum... Uh, who is not going to Ukraine, She's, she's not going you. to Ukraine, thank Certainly God. Not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, although she may well learn Ukrainian. Mm. Um, what are... This sounds like a, a salacious question. It's not a salacious question. But what are the sort of stories from you, your childhood, maybe your adulthood, that your mum doesn't necessarily know? And the reason I ask is not sort of from a gossipy perspective, but there's certain sides, I think, of us, uh, I can certainly speak for myself... Um, that my mum doesn't necessarily 
know and understand. Yeah. And it's more from that perspective. I know what you mean, because I was thinking about this this in, in advance of coming here. Um, and I tried to think of things that, you know, it'd be easy to try and answer that question in terms of thinking, what haven't I told my mum? <laughs> right, know? yeah. Lots. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. lots. Yeah, I guess so. Although I think I've probably told them most things. I mean, we had ve- have a very close relationship, especially, mm. uh, you know, in, in teenage years and in um, early adulthood as well. And I don't feel I've ever, there's anything I haven't uh, told her sort of deliberately, if you see what I mean. Yeah. There's nothing I've kept from her. That's certainly true. Um, but, so I tried to think instead, like, what doesn't she see of me? And I mm. suppose, um, I suppose I'm maybe slightly more gregarious when my mum's not around like what side Hmm. you know i don't how do you mean well i think i'm probably maybe more sort of uh extreme in my manners do you think i'm an extreme in my manners sort of person i don't know what do you i as someone who has been described as gregarious and flamboyant (laughs) no flamboyant (laughs) no I, i mean i don't think i am too uh excessively um, but I'm, I'm much, I'm much less like that uh, when when I'm with my mum. I mean, I, I actually do find this. I mean, I think, I think you have to accept that one acceptable answer to your question might be, well, there isn't anything, yeah. and, that, and that is a large part of my answer yeah. is to say, my relationship with my mum has always been very open, very honest. I've gone to her for advice in all the difficult times mm. of my life. I've received excellent advice and unconditional love and support, you know, um, in all the uh, the ways that I've been lucky to have from her. And I don't. There's nothing I've never told her. Um, and, you know, that's been brought home to me recently because a lot of our family have died. It's really just me and my mum now, actually. And it's strange, actually, given the big... We started talking about what a big family yeah. we had when we were both young. But now, um, me and my mum, I mean, but now it's it's really just it's just the two of us and my cousin is literally our only family left in the world. Um, and so I have actually thought a lot about uh, what would I regret not having told her mm-hmm. um, if she... Well, when? When she dies. And... There isn't anything. I mean, there's, I don't think there's anything that I've, I've, I've kept from her or that I haven't said. So the only way of answering a question might be, you know, are there things about me that she, she doesn't observe? And then I can only say that, obviously, like we all are, um, when I'm with her, I'm different from when, when I'm with uh, other people, but not in a massive way. So I feel like I'm pretty much an open book uh, wow, to, what, to my mum. What a lovely answer. And obviously it's a lovely refre- reflection because part of the question is... The nature of your relationship with your mom and mm. it sounds incredibly sort of close and, and open yes it is um i was thinking about this as you were talking um if you had to describe your mum perhaps you know uh, her personality um etc but using a story um either that involves you or sort of about her what would kind of best epitomize julia Difficult because it's hard not to make it all about me, and it is all about me. And it's, <laughs> it's all um, about me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember once, um, you know, especially when you're young, you can get yourself into situations that feel com- completely intractable, completely unsolvable, and I feel like the end of the world, and then you catastrophize things. And I remember in my second year at university when we had our exams, and this was, you know, um, the first time really that we'd been tested inside a classicist at a university, which means our degree was four years long. There was an exam at the end of two years, another exam at the end of four years. And the exam at the end of two years um, uh, was seen as quite important. Um, and I had not done any work. I mean, this is not a secret, I think, for anyone who knew me in my first <laughs> two years at university. I hadn't done anything. I was a terrible student. I just drank and, and did, you know, 
other fun things yeah. um, in my first years. I never did any work at all. I mean, I went into tutorials with blank pieces of paper and pretended they were essays and sort of like tried to read. I don't think my tutorials... Did you not sort of get this kind of anxiety, t- overhang anxiety before you went in? I drank through it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's literally true. And by the way, dear listener, I pulled myself around yes, and yeah, changed yeah. my uh, life in the, in the last two years of my degree. But for the first two years... I, I like I like a lot of people. I was just released from my home environment, yes, yeah. um, able to live a very different sort of life, um, and lived it very fully, um, and didn't do any work. And so I found at the end of these two years that I didn't I didn't have a hope. You know, I didn't feel like I had a hope, and I felt like my life was going to be over. I mean, this sounds completely mad now because it's such a trivial thing in retrospect. But at the time, and Oxford University, I think is, is would be admitted to be something of a hothouse mm. with high stakes um, mm. encouragement for you to feel high stakes about about things. Um, and I and I plucked up the courage to phone my mum and tell her that basically I was in this shit. Um, and she said, "Oh well, you know, uh, what's the worst that can happen?" I could fail, and she said, "Well, then, then what?" Yeah, and I thought, "Oh." <laughs> she just and so added she that suddenly clarity. just yeah, yeah, she just pulled me out of it completely wow. and added a clarity. Um, and it was, and I did. I mean, I didn't walk away from that thinking, "Oh, yeah, it's all fine." But I was enormously. It was like she'd lifted a burden from my shoulders, almost yeah. physically. Um, and I suppose in that moment, it wasn't just her putting that into context with the simple way that she asked that question and framed it. It was also being made aware by her in that moment that this wasn't all that there is you know, in my life, that yeah. I still had my mum and my family and other aspects of my life, and that it put it put reduced things to its proper sort of proportionate um, place. Um, and I think that is um, an incredible thing to be able to do for someone. Um, and she did that for me uh, at that point. And I think she's always done that for me. I mean, I remember the first time I got drunk, which was a disaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> How old were you? I can't remember, but it wasn't legal, I'm sure, about that. Yeah, no um, and I was at some friend's house and they were all drinking, actually. And I don't, in case any of them are listening or people who know them listening, I won't go through the full grisly details but it was a shit show um <laughs> and so my mum had to come and pick me up i mean i was not conscious of this to be to, oh, to, to, to wow. be honest um and uh she came to my friends and she picked me up and she was completely non-judgmental in fact she laughed which is, I <laughs> and i think in part because my younger brother was there too because he was too young to be left on his own so she had, which shows how young i was actually given oh he was God, only two wow. years younger. um and so he'd been in the car too and apparently i was saying to my brother like, i love you lee i love you you're my brother you're my brother i was giving all sorts of like so my mum she didn't think this was you know the best thing yeah. that could have happened but no. she sort of laughed as well and i do remember yeah. her laughing and that sort of put that all in perspective and proportion as, as, as well. When it, another parent could have gone absolutely mad. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, I think I, if, I, if I ever have children, I don't know if I will, um, and inevitably that will happen. I think it happens with all kids. Um, yeah. I, I would have Julia's reaction because, it's, A, it's objectively funny um, just to see someone in a very yes, sort of that's right. state. Yeah. And also, um, not to get too kind of intellectual about it, but I think it encourages a... If you if, if your child, son or daughter is in a very kind of drunk state um, and you're kind of being quite nice and caring and they're also being quite nice and caring, admittedly, because of the alcohol, <laughs> that's a better type of drunk than whatever the kind of alternative is, Yes, right? and I had been that alternative before she picked me up, by the way. That was part of the problem. Oh, were yeah. you kind of going I, I was an angry, I was and... an angry drunk. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. My, yeah. Wow. But it was a bit, it was a mess. Um, it was a mess. Yeah. It's never happened again, actually, Fine. which is interesting. Never, ever happened again. Um I mean, not 
I've been drunk again. Yes, yeah. I've never, never been a nasty yeah. drunk again, I no, don't think sure. so anyway. Um, and uh, and I give you a hundred moments like that. I think that's important. I mean, rather than just giving you a hundred moments like those two, that's what she's done for me again and again and again. Again, without being uh, sort of overanalyzing the situation. How closely do you think uh, humanism, um, in the way you've described it as, uh, you know, our place in the universe mm. and how we shape it, um, informed uh, her reaction to your first story about you getting quite, you know, het up, um, and you, she, her pulling you out and giving you a greater sense of perspective about your life and place in the universe. I think she is, or she is definitely a person who has got an enormous amount of perspective. Um, and I suppose you're right, that must be owing ultimately, as it is for any of us, to our worldview. I mean, that's where mm. it comes from, isn't it? You know, um, if you've got a very different uh, approach to life, uh, for example, if you if your fundamental worldview is about material success and, um, you know, uh, achievement in, in the moment, then, of course, you'd have a very different reaction to my, mm. my phoning. You'd say, pull yourself together, go and do yeah. some work, yeah. you know. Um, or you'd say in Latin. Or yes, yes, you could say. How would Latin. you say that in Latin? It's <laughs> been a long time. <laughs> um, no, okay, I was going to do it then. Yeah. Um, I'm not. So uh, yeah, you say so it must be. It must be attributable to her basic approach to life. Yeah. I think that's a fundamental, not basic, a fundamental approach to life. I, I guess that's. I guess that's right. But I think it's also probably down to her life experience. I mean, she's had. Um, she had. We went from very poor. You know, one of the saddest stories um, ever. Uh, I think that I could tell about my mum is how she still feels guilty about something. She still feels guilty because once when um, we were somewhere, I don't know, it was on the street or in some in some place, um, she saw a five pound note on the floor and she put her foot over it and stood there um, and like until no one was around anymore <laughs> so that whoever is, no, she, she deliberately she did it so that no one else, so, who, so whoever dropped it wouldn't know it was there. Yeah. Um, and took it because she needed some stuff for me and my brother, you know, and she didn't have any money. And she still feels guilty about this. Oh, I mean, how appalling. She, she still remembers feels it. Good. Yeah, still. she remembers it very wow. vividly. Uh, very vividly. Wow. And this was in the early 80s. Um, and, you know, I mean, we were we were in, we've never been, uh, well, it's clear from what I've said of my generational background that we've not been a wealthy uh, family. So, um, so she's had, she's known great, uncertainty great um fragility in the uh, even in the essentials of what you need for life and so i think that actually just has put these things in proportion for her i mean what, i think she basically was like what's a, what why do you need a first at mods and what even is that you yeah, know, exactly. like, yeah you've got a you've got a family we've got a home you can come back to you know you've got you're alive you're healthy yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly you've got your mom's love as so well i think she, that's right exactly exactly but I think also grateful. I mean, she was always grateful her whole life that she didn't have to do what her mother did, which was be told by her mother, again, so my great-grandmother, to hide under the table when the rent man came. I mean, you know, so it's just, a, wow. I think a lot of a lot of um, uh, these things are not, not necessarily about anything as grandiose as your own sort of fundamental worldview, but your own experience. In her case, it's taught her that... Um, just to be grateful for what what is there, because you know it's it, it could all slip away very easily. Final question on Julia: um, A lot of people, a lot of friends, in fact, regardless of whether you know they've come on the podcast or whatever, but a lot of folk in my life and guests on the podcast have come from we should say humble beginnings, um, very similar to kind of what you've described, and 
I think what happens in the stage of life we're at now, so in your kind of 30s, 40s, when you're a bit more financially secure, etc., is there is this, whether it's compulsion or something else, I think, to give back specifically to your mum or your dad who had mm. li- lived in straightened, uh, you know, conditions when you were younger. Um, there is a question here, which is, what are the, do you sort of feel that, not in a sort of guilty way, but in a kind of positive way, and what are the ways in which, I guess, you treat your mum? Yeah, I do, I do feel that, I think, but I, I feel it in a slightly different way because uh, there's no doubt that my mum has been my parent, um, and she has been, and a wonderful parent and a wonderful mum. But in the last few years in particular, we've also been through a lot together. Mm. So in, in 2016, uh, my grandmother died her mum who was very important to both of us I mean, incredibly important to both of us and then a year later um my grandfather died um and then the year after that um my uh younger brother died very suddenly oh, um so that was obviously my mom's only other child um and then my uncle died her only brother and then um, another person who's very important to us uh, called Pat, who I can't quite remember. She would be a great aunt, but she was one of those house fell on her during the Second World War, and she was taken in by my great grandmother. Uh, and so she was like, yeah, her. I know exactly. Wow. And so she was, and she had terrible difficulties throughout her life as a result. So she had to, she couldn't really live independently. So she was taken in by my great grandmother. So she was like an aunt or sister or whatever. You know how it happens in those families that are too big already, but they take in more. Um, and so she was a very important person uh, in her life uh, as well. Um, and so within those sort of four years, all of our our entire remaining family, and the previous years, all the others had died as well, um, including, you know, my dad, who even if he wasn't in our lives, we both had, you know, connections with and, and relationship with. Um, and of course, most fundamentally, my brother, her, her youngest son. Um, and we went through all that, I very much feel, together. So I, I, I did feel, not so much that I was giving something back to her, but that we were very mutually supportive through all of that. Obviously... Um, the the difficulties of my brother's death were much more profound for her because um, obviously to have a child die is a different thing to have a sibling die although they're both bad <laughs> obviously it's still the worst thing that's happened to either of us you know yeah. me or my mum but it's much qualitatively worse for her I should think or profound whatever I, I'd say she suffered more than I did um, and so I feel that in recent years our lives and fortunes have been stitched together. Um, a bit more um, as equals, I suppose, as sort of um, fellow travellers through life, uh, not just as parent and child, although that's still obviously the fundamental nature of our relationship. So, for example, um, she now lives with us. Um, she, she's moved in. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Um, yeah, which is lovely. And um, throws up its own difficulties, of course, as it would Does she have a sort of a, a She has a, a separate... Annex. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. She has separately accessed uh, accommodation. That's, that's good. That's great. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, that's worked really well. That's a wonderful thing. Have I done that for her? No, we've done it for each other. I think, yeah. I think we've got a partnership now in our lives um, uh, rather than a, a payback. I, I would... I massively envy you um, which i think is a strange thing to say because the, the convention is oh my god you know my it's mom's not hard to move nobody. your mum in you know you can do it oh, <laughs> well, I, I think i've just set my own trap <laughs> um great well th- first of all thank you for sharing that uh, particularly about your um 
brothers. Can I, can I ask his name? Lee. Lee. And uh, what's your sort of fondest memory of Lee? I know this is about mums, but you've mentioned oh, Lee. Oh, wow. Well, I have lots of uh, fond memories of him, actually. Mostly when he was younger. He was quite a difficult teenager and quite a difficult young man as well. But um, uh, although our relationship, thankfully, had improved a lot by the time he died. But um, I've just got so many fond memories uh, memories of, of when we were children because, of course, in, like I say, we were very homified, very domestic. Mm. Um, and so, of course, we were each other's... And close, two years is nothing, really, either in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in, in age terms. So we, we, we would played with each other all the time. Um, and so I think probably um, there were just too many. I remember one very funny time when he was... We were at a rare holiday. We didn't have many holidays when we were children, apart from that sometimes we would go and... Um, stay in my great grandmother's house in Bournemouth, flat in Bournemouth, mm. where me and my mum and my brother would have to sleep in one bed because she only oh had my, one spare my. bed. And this was this, I mean, this right up until we were teenagers. Oh my god! So, I mean, I, I meant it about not having any money. So, um, uh, but a rare, uh, a rare holiday that wasn't all of us packed like sardines yeah. in my great grandmother's spare bed, sort of mouldy spare bedroom. Um, a rare holiday that wasn't that was when we went to some holiday camp and I can't even think how we could have ended up there really apart from maybe someone else had paid like I don't yeah. know my grandparents paid yeah. or something um, and there was a fancy dress competition and I had gone as a caveman um, with like an old uh, coke bottle wrapped yeah. in brown paper yeah. um, and my brother wanted to go as a mummy and couldn't be uh, convinced not to and so he'd been wrapped up in loo roll yes from, yeah from head classic. to toe. Mm. and halfway through his loo roll started coming off um, and he started crying and the man who was um uh, uh, running this fancy dress competition or whatever it was, the Haven Holiday Camp, the Tiger Club or whatever, I don't know. Um, Tiger Club sounds right, actually. Maybe it was called the Tiger Club. Um, started sort of, like, making fun of him. And and so I started beating him on the head with my... Um, like, <laughs> Someone had to come and stop it. It's the only time in my life I've been physically violent, would you believe that? And with good, um, with good reason. And with good reason. And so I do remember... But with the... Dist- so that the event itself is not the memory. Yeah. Um... Because there's a photo of it where my brother is like crying. He's so tiny. He's like, you know, he's this tall. It's so, it breaks your heart even now um, to look at it. And I'm there. Sort of heated, this moment <laughs> thing. Um, and so the, the happy memory is that we would remember that so often through our lives, even yes. though we actually probably by then we didn't really remember it properly. Yeah. But we would, um, and we would laugh about it every Christmas, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and, and really that just stands in as a, as a proxy as well for many happy memories like that. The sort of memories that you have with a young brother who's close in age and... Uh, You've grown up with it's always to be able to repeat it as well at, at Christmases <laughs> and family gatherings. I I was also in the Tiger Club. Do you remember the Tiger Club anthem? Here we are in the Tiger Club. Was it that? They, that was they, 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 it. Might have evolved it, but there was. Did you okay. go more than once? Because this is once. I'm dragging this up from what it was obviously I, a golden trip. I went a few times. Oh God, what um, was it then? Was, was it a real well, thing? They had, the Tiger it Club. Was, yeah, no, it was a Tiger Club for him. It was, it was something like <laughs> we're looking for rhinos, we're looking for cheetahs, <gasps> we're looking for something and big alligators from uh, something something to little bear cubs. We're having fun in the Tiger, in the Tiger Club. Club. Yes. Oh wow. <laughs> I had no idea if oh that was God. real or whether I'd... No, 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 it's absolutely it real. Head. Yeah, the was Tiger Club it Haven. It can't be but- Butlins had a different club, but... So what was it called then? This, was it Haven? It was Haven Tiger Haven Club. Was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got that out of the no, no, no. depths of yeah, my memory. Well done, well done. Oh, God. Oh, one holiday. <laughs> That's why I remember <laughs> it so well. Um, I want to finish with, um, ironically, um, asking you, ask a question of my mum... Um, so something we're trying to do uh, in this series is to get her to kind of be part of it a little bit more because it's obviously yeah. my mum made me. So 
I'd love you to put a question to her and she will answer it in the form that she sends me a voice note every what's voice a voice note every Friday, bless her. So adorable. How do you feel about the voice notes? I, I love them. Do you like them? I love them. Sometimes they're and mum if mum my mum does actually listen to this podcast. She's the one and I'm joking. Um <laughs> she yeah, she does listen. Um I love them. Sometimes they're a little bit um perfunctory. What I mean, no, 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 in, in, not in a bad way, but uh, th- there's a formula. So every Friday, I'll get a voice note. I should play one, but I, I quite like doing impressions of my mom, bless her. Like, <laughs> you do a good accent. Hello, Paul. Hello, Adam. Hugs and kisses to you. And Lemon and Yuzu are two cats. Um, it's Friday. It's your weekend. Have wonderful weekends. I love you. Bye. Um, and it's gorgeous to receive that. Um, it's pro forma. every friday um but you know i i would not dream of asking her to stop because i just love receiving them um, so yes um knowing what you know about my mom i'd love you to ask her a question well i've learned a lot about her now i think i would like to know a little bit more about her views on peace actually Mm. i would like to know would she ever break the rules of peace for example um to defend you oh that is a great question would she do more than be a human shield for you would she do violence for you? That's a fantastic question. Is that too intrusive? No, no, not at all. And she would actually love answering that question because I think she probably has thought she about it. Well. Yeah. it. She must have thought about it. She must have thought about it. Because it's a question for peace people. In fact, the man I was mentioning in Oslo, you know, someone asked him, you know, if you were between you and your your daughter, you know, yeah. and the, would you still not do violence? And he said, no, I wouldn't. He said, I'd try, I try and persuade them not to hurt her. Okay. But, you know, Go on, hon. I, I, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'd like to know what your mum would do and how she'd feel about it and how she'd, how yeah. she'd justify it. Well, I will get her to answer it. Yeah. I will send you the voice note and I'll obviously play it in the uh, <laughs> Good. episode as well. Andrew, thank you so much. Thank you. Brilliant.